The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Most people getting in touch on 087-1400-106 with suggestions as to what the government might spend their budget surplus on. So that surplus running into the tens of the billions of euro over the next uh, few years. And while a lot of it will be set aside in some form of a rainy day fund, there will be a pressure to invest some in a big capital infrastructure uh, project. A lot of votes for housing, as you'd imagine, uh, coming in. Nuclear power, says one listener. Look at France and Finland, some of the lowest CO2 in Europe, thanks to nuclear, but also cheap energy. Somebody else, Tommy, says, is it not obvious? Windmills, electric network, electric trains. And this listener simply says, invest in youth centres and sports facilities for teenagers. 087-1400-106 is the number. We spoke to uh, Michael McDowell, the independent senator, former cabinet minister, a little bit earlier. He suggested some of the money be used to fund the moving of Dublin Port up to north of Balbriggan and to create a new city within Dublin City uh, out in Dublin Bay. Well, Shane Ross is also former cabinet minister, former senator as well. Shane, you're welcome to the show. Um, Sport was actually, uh, to pick up on the text from somebody who suggested sports facilities, that was your your bailiwick. Um, is that something that the money could be invested in? Yeah. Good afternoon, Kieran. I, I think uh, it definitely could. I mean, let, let, let's not get carried away with this and everybody just do a lucky dip and, and throw in what their what their favourite project is. But uh, certainly, when when I was minister for sport, what we did do, and it's on a micro scale compared with this, was that we did introduce a new, a new sports fund, which was called the Large Scale Capital Infrastructure Fund, and that was meant for very large projects, uh, which would last for a very, very long time, in other words, hundreds of years, because there was a big gap, and there's a gap in Ireland with infrastructure and transport support and everywhere else, which is never really filled, because politicians, and I was one of them, are very keen to spend the money very quickly before an election, but not keen to spend it long term. Mm. And sport is one where they did introduce this. It was only $100 million and the fund. Now we're talking about billions and billions being just there. Uh, being, being set aside here. It's only 100 million, but it was set aside for big projects which wouldn't normally be able to come out of current uh, current budget. And I'm thinking of things like, you know, Connacht Rugby, which got 10 million, then another 10, another 10 million, Daily Mount Park, which got which got a large amount of money. And that is for the long term. And I think I'm not I'm not adver- I'm not advocating any specific project uh, on the sports because you get in political trouble for doing that. But what I'm saying is, look, let's spend this money. If we're going to spend it, it's billions and billions. Uh, not put it just all away for for any day. Let's spend it on things which are long term, on infrastructure and transport, which 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 people are going to see uh, the benefit of their children, their grandchildren, mm. their great their children's children. Not going to be used to buy the next election by paying more social welfare and things like that, which is where politicians are always tempted. Well, well, actually, uh, not just politicians. I, I mean, that you, you heard some of the texts I read out there. There are people yeah. uh, like-minded who, who are looking at big infrastructural investment that would have long-term returns, but plenty of others are texting in to suggest we should use it to fund the abolishment of uh, of the USC or, or the Quinn Insurance Levy. Uh, it's hard to see a government doing that. I mean, that that's that's kind of adds to current spending, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, I think it shouldn't. It should. What you should. One of the principles you should establish if you're going to spend this rainy day fund, which is what it is, an enormous one, is that it doesn't add to current expenditure. The reason why we got the rainy day, day fund is because we got this windfall. And if you if you if you say we're going to spend it on on those things which tempt politicians like social welfare because it, because people vote for that and, you, and nobody blames them for that, then you're committing a debt to the exchequer for years to come. And when the money runs out, when the money runs out from the from the 
for the corporations, particularly the multinational corporations, which undoubtedly will, because it's regarded as a windfall, we won't have the money to pay those particular uh, annual payments, mm. and then we'd be in big, big trouble. I mean, money's a curse if it's spent irresponsibly, but if it's spent responsibly on large projects, which are going to benefit, you know, which are going to benefit uh, people for years to come and for many years, yeah, sure, let's spend some of it that way. Not just because of the benefits, of, uh, the financial benefits, but because of these, as you say, the sports benefits, the benefits people help, which mm. of course has a has a has a has a, has a kind of tangential benefit to finance as well, because they don't get sick and use and, and, and use a health service. Uh, well, the Dublin City Arts Officer, Ray Yates, is, is with us as well. Ray, I wanted to imagine for a moment um, this beautiful hypothetical. You're sitting down in the Department of Finance and Michael McGrath and Pascal Dunne, who's sitting opposite you, and they say, Ray, uh, we're going to give you a few hundred million quid. What should we spend it on? Well, I, I would humbly agree with, with Senator Ross that maybe the principles behind it um, could focus on the long term. And um, we're always sacrificing the short term for the long term. But I'm very interested in how arts, culture, community development can contribute to sustainable neighbourhoods. And it's not good to be building a lot of housing when there isn't a lot of facility and there's been a lot of bad experiences with that. So it's not controversial to say that, you know, in in the city development plan, in everything that that local councils try to do, they're trying to get a balanced development. And the, the big problem is, too, there has to be, you know, a kind of mushroom or a not just parachuting of infrastructure because we can't just drop infrastructure if there isn't the software to meet the hardware. But for me, it would be about how to sustainably grow, you know, creative community, cultural infrastructure locally so that people don't have to travel long distances for a great quality cultural experience. And what type of of things might you suggest? I mean, you know, people will have their eye on, on fairly significant you know, infrastructural investments. So we're not talking about sure. necessarily, and this not to be dismissive of kind of, you know, smaller cultural spaces, w- sure. w- which, you know, you could say kind of on, on a micro level are much more important than the big ticket items. But in terms of big yeah. tickets, what would you do? Well, I, I know there's going to be a massive development called the City Edge, um, almost 50,000 houses uh, on the outskirts of the city. And it'd be wonderful to see that with a signature gallery or a signature theatre, signature co- concert hall, a flagship uh, which would make a big dent in uh, in 50 or 60 or 70 million. And I think there are very large urban areas that don't have the large-scale cultural infrastructure that they deserve to have and have to you know, keep coming into institutions, many of them built before the foundation of the state, which are you know, not you know, a, a 21st century type of cultural institution. So if I, if I had my way, I would, I would start to look at these flagship cultural institutions and the means to sustain them over time. And how hopeful would you be that you might have your way or that someone mm. like-minded might have their mm. way? I mean, when you look at the past and the history of investment in cultural institutions in an era of kind of competing resources. Yeah, I think it's a very difficult sell. Um, if you look at the percentage of arts funding in relation to GDP. However, I think there were great strides made during the pandemic. I think the Arts Council got almost 75% of an increase but there's still a lot to be done around the area of infrastructure and particularly that large scale, you know, very large theatre, large concert hall that we really deserve in capital cities and, and major urban centres. Um, I think it, it's very difficult and I think usually when you work in the arts, you have to prove your, your economic case, even though you don't fall into the profit making part. Uh, of society but here's a real chance to move away from profit and to look at the not-for-profit area and what it can contribute to the economy and society over a long period of time 
Uh, well, lo- lots of listeners are <laughs> getting in touch. Another suggestion that we buy Liverpool <laughs> FC as some means of sports washing. Anyway, spending the surplus uh, on a pension fund will help keep the retirement age where it is to somebody else or maybe reduce it and actually help the younger generation for once. That would get the government uh, my vote. Uh, put solar panels on the wasted space on every roof in the country instead of killing the environment with huge windmills. And somebody else says invest in babies and young children and break the cycle of disadvantage and all of it its repercussions. Frank MacDonald is with me, the former environment editor with the Irish Times. Frank, what would you spend the money on? Well, I think the first thing I would do is is to take a terrace of derelict and dilapidated or vacant built historic buildings in, in, in every single city and town in Ireland. And God knows there's a whole lot of them to choose from. And to put together a programme to renovate these buildings for social and affordable housing. And that that would be a case of kind of seeing as believing and it would set an example for developers to follow to provide apartments in the heart of our cities and towns within walking distance of everything that they have to offer. Um, And I think that that should be one of the major priorities because, you know, the CSO has said that we have up to 180,000 vacant buildings in the country and also, if you look above the shops in any city or town in Ireland, uh, a lot of the upper floor space is vacant as well. So if we want to have a future for these buildings, the government really needs to take the lead. And and that's one of the major things that I would spend the money on. And mm-hmm. to do it everywhere so that everyone will be able to see the results and and then follow that example. And the second thing I would do is to in Dublin is to prioritise Art Underground rather than the Metrolink project between uh, the Swords and Dublin Airport and Stevens Green. Because Dart Underground is the crucial link between Houston Station and Spencer Dock, uh, serving Woodkey and uh, St. Stephen's Green and Pier Station along the way. Um, it's the most important strategic investment project for the capital on the transport side uh, because it would turn disparate commuter rail lines into a functional network, you know, the kind of network that you have in other cities in Europe. Uh, and yet, on, uh, unfortunately, it's been put on the long finger until after 2042. And the third thing that I would do, um, and this is something that arises every year, and it's a persistent perennial problem, end the scandal of patients waiting for hours uh, to get treated in hospital accident and emergency uh, departments. Uh, and just uh, just this afternoon, I got, a, I got a text message from a friend of mine who's Spanish and he was uh, he, he had a sharp pain in his chest uh, on Sunday last, and had to go to A and E in Talavera, which is a, a small smaller city uh, southwest of Madrid. And he was convinced that he had a cracked rib or something. And within six minutes of arriving at the hospital, I had he said I'd gone through registration, triage, got got OBS done, and was getting an ECG. All within six minutes, was told that my heart was 100% okay, and then got an injection for pain and had a, got a prescription. Diagnosed after 32 minutes of arriving with a muscle tear, um, and waited for 30 minutes for discharge. In and out in mm. less than 70 minutes, and it would cost him nothing. Whereas, as he said, he'd be waiting for hours on end in an A&E in, A&E in Dublin, and he'd have to pay a 120 euro fee at the end of it all. I mean, that's something that really, can, can I really, just ask really you, needs to be tackled. Uh, just one question, Frank, on, on, on investing in Dart Underground rather than, than, than Metro North. I mean, what's the shortcoming of Metro North? 
Well, the Metro Metrolink, it's called. Now. Metrolink. I mean, it's, it's, it went through a name upgrade, as it were. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, unfortunately, Metrolink is not going to integrate all public. Uh, rail-based public transport in Dublin into a proper network. Uh, I mean, if you just look at the where they've located uh, the station at St. Stephen's Green, um, it's on the east side of the Green, whereas the Lewis, of course, is on the west side of the Green. And, you know, it's therefore more remote from the Grafton Street area and so on. But also it will involve, you know, digging up the northeastern quadrant of the Green uh, and getting rid of all those trees and relocating the Wolf Tone Monument and, uh, and all the rest of it. I mean, you know, I don't know why it's being prioritised rather than Dart Underground mm. because, you know, anybody who has had a look at at the issues of, of transport in Dublin, particularly on the rail side, realise that Dart Underground is the most strategic investment and it project and it really okay. needs to go ahead and unfortunately it's been postponed by the NTA until after 2042 which is they're not even going to think about it between now mm. and then and that's 20 years time. Frank MacDonald former environment editor with the Irish Times Ray Yates Dublin City Council Arts Officer and Shane Ross former Minister for Transport thank you all very much uh, for joining me imagine if we spent some of the money outside Dublin suggests one of our listeners Dave though has the opposite suggestion build the drugs a new 30,000 seater stadium so the Colchies can finally stop moaning about us playing all of our home games in Croke Park. Brian says it's pouring with rain and we don't have a rain jacket but this arts officer wants us all to have pretty shoes. Somebody else, before opening the checkbook it would be worth reading about the experiences of Norway and the Netherlands when they came into money. Their initial spending increased inflation so they adopted sensible long term planning instead. For what it's worth I suspect, strongly suspect the overwhelming majority of this money is going to go the way of a national pension reserve fund, a rainy day fund, a sovereign wealth fund, whatever you want to call it, but like they have in Norway and the Netherlands. There will be pressure, though, to spend a few bob up front. And that's what I want to hear suggestions as to what we should do with that. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.